Hey, true crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! You lies! Hello, everyone. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to I'm Horrified. I'm your host, Allie Rayner. And I'm Sam Buntage, a random woman who wandered in today. Not your host. (laughs) (laughs) Every day I wander into this room and just insert myself into a podcast Allie was trying to start by herself. Yeah, what if this is the day when I'm like, this is my podcast, (laughs) and Sam's just here doing exactly 50% of the work. I've guest hosted every week, but I am here every week. But, you know, this is my rodeo, everyone. I would like to, from now on, be introduced as special guest Sam Buntage. Yeah, you're special to me always, and, you know. I'm a guest here in your room. You're a guest in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, this is my bedroom. Exactly. I'm now feeling a very inflated sense of power over this (laughs) podcast. Well, you're also Um, doing the lead story today. I'm doing, I am doing the lead story today, which, good segue, Sam. Uh, So today I will be covering the dark web. Ooh, and I'm going to talk about Pretty Wild. Sounds dumb. Is it? Um, yeah. (laughs) Thank God. It is. Can I just tell you, I only recently learned how to spell segue. What? Because I thought it was like... I thought segue. Did you think you spelled it like a segue? Like a. I thought like segue and like siege were two different words. Oh. And then like I wrote it in like a business thing, and my coworker Elizabeth was like, "Honey." Oh. And I was like, "What? Whatever. You use that word. There's no reason to be like embarrassed of using a word or spelling a word incorrectly that you use in conversation, because that still just means that you're an intelligent conversationalist. Exactly. You know what I mean? And why would you spell segue S E G U E? Yeah. That's like sometimes, like, if you mispronounce something, that just means that you read words that you don't necessarily pronounce all the time, and that just means that you're great at reading. Thank you. So I'm going to turn that right around on you. Thanks, babe. We can't get this out of Um, But I just wanted to let you know that fun fact Yeah, no, I'm going to keep it in, because this is my podcast. So let's get back to my podcast. Absolutely. The dark web, where do we start? (gasps) I have no idea. I am intrigued by this, but I would never take it on, because it feels like too much. It felt like too much. But there is a lot of great resources out there, um, so I appreciate that, because people have been interested in this topic in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to break this down for you as best as I can. So to talk about the dark web, we have to talk about the web, the World Wide Web, as it was so coined in 1989 when Tim Berners-Lee invented it. The WWW. Yes. He launched the first web browser inside his research center, which was like in like Switzerland or something, in 1990 and released that to the public the year after 1991. So that was the birth of the World Wide Web. I'm going to back up really quickly and explain that the World Wide Web is a portion or network of the internet. And the internet is a global network 
of networks, basically. So the internet is something that came around in the 60s and 70s, mostly for like government purposes and like hyper nerds who knew how to use it. So the internet is this huge open plane and the World Wide Web exists within it. Does that make sense? Yes, but I never ever thought of it that way. I always just thought like, the internet, I'm there, I can get there. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it's very, very complicated and very layered and also very simple. Like, all the stuff is there and mm -hmm. there's all the stuff. And we can um, access a certain portion of it through the WWW. Yes, exactly. So let's get a little more specific. Let's talk about the web itself. The World Wide Web is an information space where resources identified by uniform resource locators, which sounds like what to you? Uniform resource locators. URLs? Yes, you did it. Oh my god! Um, URLs <laughs> are linked by hypertext, which gives us hyperlinks. So anytime you click on anything on the World Wide Web, you are utilizing hyperlinks, which are utilizing hypertext. So the places on the World Wide Web are the URLs, and the hypertext is the paths to them. So places exist and paths exist to get there, next to and around other stuff. So cool. I feel like this is a good time to say that I'm very terrible with computers. <laughs> and so a lot of this is very confusing to me. I know very little beyond Instagram stories. Oh my god, I cried um, two days ago because of how annoyed I was with a computer. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand it. Um, and like speaking computer is like a very, it's a skill. It's like a real sincere skill. Totally. So we, and I suppose I can only speak for the two of us, because mm -hmm. I don't know what our listeners are doing on the internet. Oh my god. Uh, operate mainly on the surface web. That's email, social media, anything that can be searched or cataloged by a search engine like Google, anything you can reach, mm -hmm. <laughs> anything two dum-dums like us can reach. Absolutely. That's the surface web. Cool. And that's all the web I need, personally. Amen. I don't need any more than that. I don't need more than one. Um, I certainly don't need layers beneath the surface web. Beneath the surface web. Yeah, I feel very similarly to the to the web as I do to the deep ocean. You know, <laughs> if it's beneath my toes and I can't see it, I am vigorously uninterested. Absolutely. So speaking of the deep ocean, Sam, if we're on the surface web, that would imply something, wouldn't it? That there's the, the deep web? Yes. That is what it is called. It is called the deep web. So the deep web is not searchable on something like Google or even a standard web browser. The deep web, so if you can envision, like, a glacier and the tip pointing out mm -hmm. is the surface web. Yes. And everything under the surface, literally, <gasps> is the deep web. Mm -hmm. You can't see it, you can't reach it, but it is there. Um, so this is things like medical records, documents, government information, things that are password encrypted, things that are encrypted to a certain degree. There is still an element of index to these things in the deep web. So if I put my address into a website and I want to be like on their mailing list, that information goes somewhere. It goes on the internet, but you can't access it. Oh. So like there's a place for all of that stuff. And that's the deep web. Interesting. Okay, that makes yeah. total sense. Or it's at least, you know, on the deep web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other stuff there, but. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that other stuff, now we can finally talk about the dark web. That's so that's even that's even yeah deeper than the deep. I mean, it's part of the deep web, just like the World Wide Web is part of the internet. Okay, it's an aspect of the deep web. So that being said, all of the things that I just said about the deep web are true of the dark web. 
but the reverse is not true. So the deep web isn't necessarily dark. Mm. Um, and the dark web, importantly, isn't just one place. It's more of a concept. Like, you, you can't stumble upon all of it. You can't click through and see a sign that's like, you've made it onto the dark web, like a level <laughs> in a video game. It is yeah. not like that. Okay. It's an umbrella term for a part of the web that you can create or access with total anonymity in regards to identity and location. So, for example, I'm dumb, right? Yeah. In computer terms, I definitely am. I never clear my cookies. I never update my passwords. And a fun fact for listeners, my identity has been stolen twice. Mm. Um, I'm just, like, an idiot when it comes to computer things. All my passwords are the same exact sentence. Yeah. (laughs) And we should be, you know, saying this on our very public podcast. So... Any idiot with a MacBook can find me. When I look at something or create something online, there is a record of it. It may not be accessible to anyone off the street, but if I, say, committed a crime, it would be very easy to track my locations, my interactions, all of that stuff. Because it's all on the surface. Or on a deeper part of the web that's being tracked, like my Citibank account. So the dark web refers to a place where these confines are completely removed. I wouldn't have to worry about someone tracing my choices online back to me because... No one knows that I'm the one that made them. When I'm browsing on the surface web, my internet protocol address, IP address, um, is following me wherever I go. What dark web platforms do is they bounce your IP address between computers around the globe, encrypting and decrypting that IP address with such frequency that no one can tell where it originated from. So it's like anonymity in numbers. It's just noise. It, It throws your IP address into the noise of the internet. You can't track it. So whatever I'm clicking, viewing, saying, or purchasing is being done under a cloak of total anonymity, a cloak of total darkness. So that's where the idea of the dark web comes from. That makes sense. So what's happening here? Well, in theory, anything and everything. If there are no identities, there can be no consequences, and therefore, there are no rules. Mm, uh, however, <laughs> however, I'm not going to talk to you about what happens there just yet. No. You're going to have to stay in suspense. I am so um, excited. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun stuff that's happening. I know it's probably not fun, um, but, but you want to know it. You want to know. So, I want to talk a little bit about how you quote unquote enter it, which again, I hesitate to use the word it because it isn't just one place. It's an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. So before the World Wide Web, you know, when it was just the internet, 60s and 70s, it wasn't really user-friendly yet, you would need specific physical software given to you by the initial creator of this neighborhood online to pass under the radar on the internet. And you can trace dark web presences before the World Wide Web. It's been there since the internet existed. Eventually, with the rise of the web, more entry points for pieces of the dark web started to spring up. So, pretty famously, in the early 2000s, the U.S. Navy created what remains to this day the most popular darknet software by accident. Oh, fun! um, And it's called Tor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, that was made so that soldiers could communicate intelligence back and forth without risking security breaches, and now it's used for, well, other stuff. Oh, God. Tor is so popular now that it is searchable from Google, but you have to download it onto your computer in order to use it. So Mm -hmm. you can find it, but then you have to download it and start using it from there. Okay. So in theory, anyone can access hidden portions of the internet with anonymity. Mm -hmm. And I say in theory because I am not going to try it. (laughs) Yeah, please don't. Um, Sometimes it's as simple as downloading that software. Sometimes it's a deeply encrypted location somewhere else on the internet. 
but the idea of disguising and basically shuffling your IP address remains the same. Okay, are you ready to enter the dark web with me? Hold my hand. Yes. With you by my side, I can do anything. Let's enter the dark web. Okay, so we're not going to really enter the dark web. Phew! Oh my god, thank, <laughs> thank god. goodness. Um, I'm I, just thought gonna... you, I thought you were going to be like, I downloaded Tor. We're doing this. <laughs> We're going to go buy some cocaine on the internet. No, we're not doing that. Let Yay. me make that perfectly clear for oh, anyone in law enforcement listening. I don't even smoke pot. I am too dumb to get on the dark <laughs> web. Um, but I can tell you what other people say is on there. Yeah. In 2016, researchers Daniel Moore and Thomas Ridd published their book, Cryptopolitic and the Dark Net, where they classified almost 3,000 dark websites into categories and content. They found that 57% of those sites hosted illicit or illegal materials. Oh, gosh. So that confirms some concerns about the dark web. Um, So some of those things are things that you can buy. Uh, Any drug from any corner of the globe. Makes sense. uh, Illegal guns, weapons, electronics, computer accessories, you name it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is also a great manner of things you can steal. Oh, good. You can get passwords, bank account logins, gift cards, Netflix accounts, social security numbers, anything large or small Mm information-wise. There's a price tag attached to it. You can coordinate with computer hackers to mine information out of specific other devices. The thing that most people have probably heard about being hosted on the dark web is drugs and illegal child pornography. Mm -hmm. And both absolutely are housed on certain corners of the dark net. That is not a myth. The dark net is the most accessible entry point for child pornography and human trafficking. Especially because the dark net has methods for people to pay for I mean, I don't know any other way to say this, but, like, goods and services that are equally as anonymous. Mm -hmm. One of those methods is Bitcoin, which I will not be discussing because (laughs) I don't understand it. Frankly, Um, I'm horrified by Bitcoin just in general. Yeah, I would love to have a a guest maybe come on and talk about Bitcoin. But, yes, this is very different from, like, parents freaking out about jelly bracelets. This is serious, life-threatening crime that's happening on the dark web every day that cannot be regulated by law enforcement, though they are trying hard as they can to keep up with it. Yeah. So, that's not a myth. Uh, There are also back channels where terrorists and extremist organizations like ISIL can communicate and spread propaganda online through the dark web. Though I have to say that can also happen on the surface web if you are stupid enough to believe everything on Facebook. Yeah, if you love those, <laughs> like, really sh- the shittiest, yeah, the shittiest of memes. conservative memes, yeah. um, that's probably propaganda. And there are also some myths about mm-hmm. the dark net. Uh, things that don't happen there. Um, huh. So, theoretically, there is a red room where if you access it, you can watch people being murdered live for money. Um, there's no evidence to support that, thankfully. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, like, there is plenty of sincerely upsetting stuff that is on there to take its place. Jeez. So, so yeah, like, it's it's at the same time overhyped, and people don't understand the gravity of the kind of things that are going on. And those things are both existing in the same plane, which is weird. That's wild. You can also think of this series of domains and web places as an online marketplace for anything you might not want to buy on the surface web. So one example of this was Silk Road. Silk Road was the first notable black market on the dark web. I've heard of this. Yeah, everyone's kind of heard of it. It was dedicated to drug trafficking specifically. It was founded in February of 2011, and Gawker actually published a story about it June of that year, which led to a huge swell in traffic from people who had never even used the dark web. 
Um, it ran for two whole years, basically, in plain sight. Wow. Anyone could get to it, but no one could track who was running it or who was buying from it. So there was no way to shut it down. It was ultimately shut down in 2003, and then in subsequent years when it relaunched, by Operation Onimus, which was a huge international cooperative operation on behalf of law enforcement in different countries that swept into dark web sites involved in illicit activities. So that included shutting down the Silk Road, Hydra, and Cloud9, which were also drug trafficking sites, not like Marvel Hydra. I was going to say, are we talking <laughs> just, the Red Skull, just, no. <laughs> enemy of Captain America? Um, if they were selling cheap coke on the dark web, <laughs> then yes. Wouldn't yes. put it past them. Um, 17 people were identified under their pseudonyms and arrested, including Ross Ulbricht, who was the CEO, if you can call it that, <laughs> of Silk Road. And he operated under the pseudonym Dread Pirate Roberts, which how dare you bastardize the Princess Bride that way. Oh, um, Wesley, what you, have I done? Oh, God. <laughs> now you respect him. I see it in your eyes. Yes. But that's the horrifying thing about the dark web is that, like actual Marvel Hydra, if you cut off one head, two more grow back. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter if you shut down these sites because new anonymous sites just spring up providing the same services and the police have to start from square one. So that's all scary, right? Yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, we're horrified. Absolutely. Um, however, there is more nuance to this situation than meets the eye. When I think of the dark web, I think about the obvious. I think about child pornography, drug trafficking, and human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And that exists. But I do need to be clear about this. Not everyone on the dark web is doing things that are illegal. They're able to, and may very well be communicating with people who are. They might even be participating in things that they aren't aware are illegal. But there are people who aren't necessarily going on there to break the law. Mm Mm-hmm. There are communities of people who use the dark net in countries like China, where the internet and media are heavily restricted by the government. Mm. There are people who simply disagree with the idea that their movements online should be tracked by anyone, least of all the government. Here's something else to think about. You can get prescription drugs on the dark web. Mm. So the more horrifying part to me about that interaction is like, the fact that we live in this godforsaken country where, like, your house can be foreclosed upon because you need insulin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, in that situation, I'm like, you go for it. Yeah. You get on that dark web, <laughs> You know baby. what I mean? Um, some domestic violence or stalking victims have used the dark web to avoid being traceable online, but still reap the benefits of online resources. Yeah. News organizations like the New York Times and The Guardian host platforms on the dark web to pull in anonymous tips and documents that they wouldn't necessarily get if somebody's identity would be on the line. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. So, now we've reached this neither-can-live-while-the-other-survives scenario. Oh, gosh. The reason so much horrific stuff is happening on the dark web is because it's unregulated, untraceable, and immune from law. Mm-hmm. And it's for the same reason that all the things I just mentioned are possible. True freedom of communication and media access to life-saving medicine or drugs, and the ability to remain truly anonymous in a digital world. But you can't have one without the other. Even if law enforcement was able to get its hands around this nebulous, ever-changing liquid landscape, if you set fire to one piece of it, all of it will go up in flames. Yeah. So for now, it will just keep spreading every second of every day, for better or worse. 
And that is our peek into the dark web. Oh, I'm horrified by how complicated it is. I know, it's so complicated. And the thing, the true thing is, like, there is so much more. Like, you know, like like Bitcoin, for example. It's like, and then there's Bitcoin, which is this whole other wealth of information about yeah. anonymous places in the web. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really, the layers of it are so daunting, but, like, they exist. Yeah. They're there and we can't ignore them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now I'm curious. So, can, if I, like, could I go on the dark web and, like, watch Netflix? Or can yeah. you only do that on the surface? No, you can do, so that's plenty of people use it just to surf the web with immunity. And there's really no way to distinguish between the bad guys and the good guys in that way. I mean, you know, like, you can see the bad stuff happening, but you don't know who's behind that username. Yeah. And also, it's, like, the guy selling coke, he might also just be watching Baby Ballroom on Netflix. Like, that would yeah. be the only two things he uses the dark web for. Yeah. First one, bad. Yeah. Second one, whatever. Second one, I recommend watching Baby Ballroom. That's on the a, dark or the light web. Yeah, that's a professional endorsement. Yeah. From I'm Horrified. This is a sponsored podcast. We're sponsored by... Baby Ballroom on Netflix. I wish that was true. Tweet yeah. us, Baby Ballroom. On the dark web. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll hopefully maybe be able to follow up on this segment with more info. If anyone knows anything else, like Ugh. fun facts, experiences, do you use Tor? Like, th- I know plenty of people who are just like computer whizzes who prefer to use it because of, you know, like, the ease of motion. I don't yeah. know. So... I'd love to hear your stories. Um, don't tell us if you're doing anything illegal, because I don't want that burden. But, yeah, me neither. I mean, tell the authorities. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to run your life. But, <laughs> yeah, please, like, anything you know, anything you're curious about, any myths you've heard, Ooh. I want to hear it all. Um, and then maybe we could do a follow-up segment, like, debunking myths. Debunking myths. The, the only one I know is about that murder room, but yeah. maybe, I could, maybe it'll mystify. Like, maybe I'll find that and be like, <laughs> all right, well... I gotta take it all back. Also, I'm quitting this podcast because <laughs> yeah. I've seen too much. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, I feel tapped out on the dark web. Oh, gosh. AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. What are you going to talk about? Um, mine is also more nuanced than you might think. Fair enough. Um, all right, so let's take it back. To when? On March 14th, 2010, the most important day of my life occurred. Mm. That was the day the television program Pretty Wild premiered on E! You might think I am undervaluing all the good things in my life by saying this, and you would be right, but I don't care. Yeah, good. The show is the most... Stick to your guns, Sam. Yeah, I have courage of my convictions. This show is the most bonkers series of events that have ever happened. So crazy, they were later dramatized by Emma Watson. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. The Bling Ring, the movie by Sofia Coppola. Here's the story. Pretty Wild chronicles the lives of three sisters, Tess Taylor, Alexis Nyers, and Gabby Nyers, as they make their way into the Hollywood social scene. It focuses on them, their mother, and their bad choices. Let me give you a quick snapshot of each of them. Yay. 
Um, and this is, like, 2010, 2009, I think it's being filmed, and then 2010, 2011, it's premiering. I love terrible Hollywood moms. Mm, you're, you're about to get a good one. <laughs> Here's the stars. Alexis Nyers, 19. Legend. Icon. Aspiring model. Tess Taylor, 20. Also an aspiring model and playboy, Cyber Girl, which is, like, a level below being in the magazine is, like, being featured on the website. I think we talked about that when we talked about Tila Tequila. Ooh, I do think she was also a cyber girl. It's always full circle on this podcast. Amen. And she is Alexis's best friend and has kind of been adopted into the family. She's not, like, their biological sister, but they've all been very much raised together. Nice. Gabby Nyers, 16. An angel who didn't ask for any of this. Oh, no. Poor Gabby. I'm only going to say her name, like, two more times in this whole segment. She's... she's we're not going to shish kebab her. I hope she's okay wherever she is. Andrea Arlington, the girl's mom and manager, or momager. That's not her name. Oh, uh, Andrea Arlington? Yes, it is. Oh my god. And she herself is a former Playboy model, and she's also, like, maybe a Wicca, or maybe she just really believes in the secret. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I love that vibe. Um, and then there's Jeffrey Dunn, the stepdad. He is nothing to me. Fair enough. So the show is basically meant to be, like, a new, even younger Kardashians. Like, the Kardashians, but getting their foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Which I did not need, and I'm horrified by the idea that I might. The older girls are always going to clubs and modeling, and instead of school, Andrea has them make vision boards and starts every morning by yelling, Girls, it's time to take your Adderall. Okay, well, wait. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if this is some great, wonderful... <laughs> New Age parenting, or if it's abuse. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Her homeschooling curriculum is literally based on the book The Secret. She is the worst influence in the world. No, it isn't. Yeah, she's literally, that's why she has the make vision board. She's like, visualize who you want to be, and like, that will happen no, in your life. No, stop. There's stop. a really, there's a really great scene in an episode where they make vision boards, and I think Alexis puts Angelina Jolie on hers, and the mom is like, yeah, like, why are you so inspired by Angelina Jolie? And Alexis is like, she's got a great bod. And, and Andrea is like, no. Like, she's a she's a humanitarian. And, and Alexis is like, that also, yeah, I guess. Yeah, her cheekbones are slamming. Yeah, exactly. Tess is a little bit more successful than Alexis so far. Like, she's has this Playboy gig under her belt. And she's also in, like, a semi-relationship with this aspiring rock star named Max. And the poor 16-year-old Gabby is, like, just trying to be alive. Yeah, she's like, I want to go to real school. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> yes. So already, just by describing it like that, it's like a delicious garbage show. Yeah, um, I've watched the fuck out of this yeah. when I had the flu, or anytime. Exactly, <laughs> me too. And it, like, it wouldn't be super memorable. It would just be, like, background garbage noise. Right. Except for one thing that happens. Tell me everything. A couple months after they filmed the pilot, it was discovered that Alexis was a member of the Bling Ring the group of Hollywood teens who were sneaking into the homes of celebrities like Paris Hilton, Orlando Bloom, and Lindsay Lohan, and stealing all their stuff. I know that thing. I know. So I didn't realize this, but it literally was. They filmed the pilot to be like, oh, maybe we'll take this to series. And between when they filmed the pilot and, like, when they filmed the oh second episode, it was revealed that all of this was going down. Yeah, I just assumed it was, like, a cash grab after. No, they were the already ring. gonna make this series. They were already gonna make this other cash grab. Yes. And then it became a larger cash grab. Exactly. So The e American dream. Amen. E really fucking lucked into this one. Yeah. Because it totally changes the dynamic of the show. Like, 
Originally, it just would have been, like, young girls and they're debaucherous. But now, every episode of the show, like, the description sounds like this. I'm gonna read you an actual description of an episode. With her freedom on the line at a preliminary hearing, Alexis faces charges for allegedly committing a burglary targeting celebrity homes. Meanwhile, Tess is ecstatic when she's invited on a date with a pop star, and Gabby's world is rocked when Andrea announces the whole family is making a big move. So, like, clearly only one of those things is important. Yeah, but I love that they're all (laughs) given equal footing. Yeah, like, they're still trying to make it a show about three sisters, but very clearly important things are only happening to one of the sisters. Yeah, one of them is a prosecuted felon. (laughs) Yeah, and the other two are like, will I go on this date? Yeah. (laughs) Will I book this gig? Ah, being a girl is hard. (laughs) Exactly. And Gabby's like, why do we have to move? I'm 16. Gabby's like, why don't I know how to multiply fractions yet? Oh, Jesus. Poor Gabby. This show also gives us what I will forever call the most iconic scene in TV history. Okay. I'm including the end of The Sopranos, you know? I'm including every football game that's ever been aired. Are you including when Kim loses her diamond in the ocean? Ugh, it's so, it's a close second. Kim, people are dying. (laughs) (laughs) So good. It is a great one. Um, so just to give you some context for this scene. Alexis, while all this bling ring stuff is coming out, gives an interview to Nancy Jo Sales from Vanity Fair about her side of the bling ring story. Oh my god, I know what's coming. And she is, like, so happy to be speaking her truth finally, and she's really, the whole episode is about how, like, she'll be, get a spread- and, like, she's gonna get photographed for Vanity Fair and will be telling her Blair yeah. story. I'm sure she fucking loves it. She does. She really does. And then at one point, um, Tess, like, her best friend goes, like, yeah, how could that possibly go wrong? And then it does go horrendously wrong. It goes wrong. so wrong. And E is just, like, it's, like, jizzing <laughs> yeah, everywhere. E cannot believe it's E luck. is coming its pants. <laughs> um, so the story in Vanity Fair gets published. It is a great story. I highly recommend it. It's called The Suspects Wore Louboutins, and it's literally great. Please Google it. We will post it. Such a good story. We will share it. Um, however, I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's really good, actually. Alexis is very upset in the way she was portrayed in this story, and she calls Nancy Joe to confront her, and this is what happens. Allie, I do need you to play the mom. <sighs> okay, fine. Let's do it. I do. And we don't, we don't have to go full out, but full out's the only way I know how to do things. So here we go. So Alexis is on the phone. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappoint... And, and then, then the answering machine picks up. <laughs> yeah, so none of what she just said was recorded. Okay. And she goes, fuck. <laughs> okay, start again. <laughs> Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. How horrible you shit on me. And then the mom and- interjects, you lied! You fucking lied! Why did you do it? Stop it, mom! You say stop it, mom. And then I say, you lied! Stop! Stop! God damn it! And then she goes back to the phone. So clearly this, that whole thing had been picked up in the phone. Okay. But still she goes, Nancy Joe. She's gonna keep this going. This is Alexis calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed in I am in your story. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying I wore six inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four inch little brown BB shoes. $29, Every time says. you fucking yell, I have to re-record it. And I'm remembering this, this scene, like, crystal clear. <laughs> and then she starts again, like, 
So she, like, must press a button to, like, re-record it, and she goes again. Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Myers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story and the light you shed on me when I am going through such a hard time in my life. I opened up to you so that way the world could potentially know what a great, amazing, talented, strong... And then I see something that says, Mom starts crying, so I will cry. Yeah, audibly Uh, crying. uh, Healthy girl that I am. Not even a girl, young woman. uh, I am petrified, petrified with this story. uh, I'm so disappointed. I'm letting you know that I will clear this up. Have a nice life. Goodbye. And she hangs up the phone. And the mom closes it with, That was beautiful. You did such a good job of expressing yourself. Oh my god. Um, to quote Stefan, this scene has everything. Yeah. Um, my favorite part is how mad she is of being accused of wearing Louboutins. Yeah. And that she <laughs> must qualify with, like, these were little BB shoes. Yeah. And the mom is like, they were $29. How dare you? I love it. No, I remember this scene crystal, like, crystal clear in my memory. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And the that symphony. W- it was just perfection. It was mwah, so good. But that was the great thing about the show. It was this super serious thing that was happening to these totally clueless people. Yeah. Like, that was the thing that was so addicting, is being like, what shitty choice are they going to make today? Yeah, it's like the OJ trial, but OJ is for idiots. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's a whole other episode where, like, Alexis goes to Cabo with her friends, and her lawyers are like, you cannot go to Cabo. And she's like, I'm young! And she goes. This reminds me so much of Anna Delvey. Yeah, it's a lot like They would have really gotten along. Yeah, they would have. So, America was riveted, or at the very least, I was riveted. Hindsight, I have found, is always more horrifying, and Pretty Wild is no different. Fabulous. So, Alexis herself is actually now a true tale of, like, a cautiously optimistic ending. Okay. She served time for being in the bling ring, and she is now a licensed drug and alcohol counselor and doula, and she has two daughters with her husband of six years. Okay. Um, why did she become a drug and alcohol counselor? Only because she was addicted to heroin, Xanax, alcohol, and Oxycontin during her filming of Pretty Wild. Okay, fair enough. So, like, it's something that no one really thought of, but it it turns out that all the wild and out-of-control behavior the girls were exhibiting was because they were wild and out-of-control. Yeah. Which, for some reason, didn't occur to any of us. In fact, they later revealed, or Alexis said in an interview, that they were not even living at home as portrayed on the show while it was being filmed. They were living out of a Best Western and panhandling for drug money. What? Yeah, and then they would, like, go home in the morning to be filmed, like, waking up in their beds. But that was not really the life they were living. And then here's Alexis talking about her day-to-day life while she was filming the show. I was smoking 20 80 milligram oxys a day. I was doing tons of cocaine. I was panhandling for drugs. I had an over $10,000 a week drug habit. What you were seeing on TV was not what was really going on. Now I feel bad. I know. I know. And it, like, it puts the show in a whole new fucking context when you know that, because you keep being like, why are these girls making such bad choices? I guess they're just idiots. Yeah. But then it's like, wait, what if they were desperately high? But yeah, so Alexis served her time for bling ring crimes, but then she was arrested again for possession of black tar heroin while she was on probation. Yeah. And it was only then that she actually got sober and got her life in order. And she's done a few interviews since then. Um, Two I would recommend. One she did with Vice, which was very good. And one she was on Jezebel's podcast, Dirtcast. 
And in that one, she talks about, like, celebrities and drug culture and how, like, being a celebrity opens all these doors for you, but it also makes people, like, desperate to see your downfall. Mm-hmm. And, like, hot take on the opioid epidemic, I'm horrified. Yeah. And Alexis obviously. actually, yeah, she actually speaks really, like, intelligently now about, like, the things that led her down that path, all the shitty choices she made, and, like, how she wants to prevent people from making those choices. Yeah. Which is beautiful. She says she wants to be, like, Dr. Drew. Yeah, that's given me a head tilt, but no, that's fair. I mean, fair enough. And I think that's a good example of, you know, that's the last person you would expect to be suffering from an opioid addiction. (laughs) Yeah. A, you know, a beautiful little teenage white girl from privilege. But, and, you know, she did wield that privilege in bad ways. Yes, absolutely. Um, And not just probably because the drugs, probably because she was entitled in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but also this. You know what I mean? Like, it can be both. It can be complicated. Yeah. And so can the dark web. They're gonna tie together really well. Yeah, right? There's many layers to what's going on here. Yeah. So So it's, it's wild. She's, like, since, so since, like, all of this, so she got married to a guy who, like, is also a recovering addict, and he, Mm -hmm. like, now owns, like, a rehab facility that she sometimes works at. She got tests to begin her recovery journey, like her her sister, right. who was also living out of that best western and addicted mm-hmm. to heroin. So like, and she is like just like living her best life. I'm very happy for her in that way that yeah, she's been good. able to like deal with this shitty stuff that happened in her past. Um, but something that she said that really resonated with me was that um, the reason that she and Tess wanted to become famous was to support their drug habit. So, like, wow. yeah, they were, like, we didn't really want to be, like, models. We just wanted the money to buy drugs. Buy drugs. Yeah. And it's just, like, oh, holy shit. That's why you were doing the reality show was to yeah. support your fucking drug habit. That tilts it. Yeah. That's scary. And, and and gives me a great deal of empathy for somebody who, 20 minutes ago, I had absolutely no empathy exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, like, I don't know, like, we should all maybe have empathy for people who we see doing stupid shit on TV, because maybe we don't know their whole story. Reminds me of Britney. Britney yeah. Spears. Yeah, for real. Um, and it reminds me of when we were talking about even the memification of North Korean cheerleaders in that episode that we did, yeah. and talking about, like, you know... All the bad shit that's really happening to them. Yeah, what's the nuance behind a meme, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, like, I performed that whole scene with you... And I'm glad we did, because it's legendary. It is and legendary. it's beautiful. Yeah, because the, 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 the takeaway from them, to me, is Alexis, Barbara Joe. this is Alexis Nyers calling, <laughs> yes. and that is still gold. Yeah. Um, but it's complicated. Yeah, it really is. And so is the dark web. Yeah, and it also reminds me even, because we talked about Kim Kardashian before, of, of the weird reaction that a lot of the internet had when Kim Kardashian was, um, robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, and I remember just being, like, really thrown for a loop because people were saying, like, tons of stuff, like, oh, you know, like, she'll survive, she's rich, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, and I was like, she was held at gunpoint, she's yeah. got two kids, like, exactly. what the fuck, like, you know what I mean, and, there- and it's like, there's, there's just so much more room for empathy everywhere. Mm-hmm. And empathy doesn't need to necessarily soften your critique yeah. of something. Like, you can still critique privilege. You can still critique entitlement and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have compassion for another human. Yeah. 
and yeah, so when I when I started talking about my favorite show, Pretty Wild, I did not think that I would end like feeling this compassion. But honestly, like the interview she does with Dirt Clack Cast, um, Jezebel's podcast is really really good. So like, yeah, I was so I proud of her it. after I listened to that. I was like, babe, you grew up. Alexis Nyers, we're lifting you up. Amen. And her two kids are so cute. I'm sure they are. They're cute AF. So um, I hope she doesn't homeschool them. <laughs> I hope that too. I mean. We'll find out. No, I don't think she does because she posted... I was on her Instagram today. She posted, like, her daughter going away to kindergarten. Her daughter's five. Oh, oh. Isn't that cute? Cute. So I think, like, going away from kindergarten... I'm cautiously optimistic about her future. Me too. No, I'm very optimistic about it. Yeah, it really does... It Like, it seems like she got her life in check and, like, she's trying not just to be Nancy Joe. This is Alexis Nair's calling anymore. Yes, exactly. Um, and yet... We love to investigate a meme. And yet, Alexis Nair's... This is Sam Bungett calling. I'm calling to tell you how proud I am of the woman you've become. Oh my god, you're glowing. <laughs> Every time you talk, I have to start over. Oh my god. <laughs> I've been memed. Um, yeah. So that, that's all I got about Pretty Wild. Um, sometimes you can find episodes floating on the internet, and if you can find them, watch them. Because they are, like, they're a crazy time capsule into 2010, and then, like, knowing what you know now, it's, like, so clear that they're fucked up, and yeah. it's, like... This was irresponsible of you, E, to do this. But then also it's things like, Gabby prepares for her 16th birthday. Meanwhile, Alexis might go to jail. And, like, those episodes are gold. I gotta be honest. What? That reminds me, when we were doing the Tila Tequila episode, I was desperately, desperately trying to find episodes of that. And I could not find them anywhere. Uh, I couldn't even pay for them. Oh my god. I was willing to pay <laughs> to for DVDs to be sent to my house or some <laughs> shit like that. And I could not find them. And I swear to god, if anyone finds them, you gotta tell me. Because I I need it. You I know, need it in my life. You know where you didn't check? The dark web? The dark web. The I dark bet, web. I bet Tequila Tequila is playing on a loop in the dark web. Well, yeah, she's like, yeah, oh my god, that's so true. She's <sighs> probably, like, got a whole little army brewing down there. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm nauseous. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've done enough to, um, make sure that this week you stay horrified. Stay horrified. <laughs> Thank you.